Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. My name is Kaylin and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR 855 AM, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. Um, our guest today, Flick Manning, she is CEO, author, speaker, former professional dancer and choreographer, neuroplastician, wellness coach and ambassador for both Mental Health Foundation of Australia and Crohn's and Colitis Australia. But today she is here to share her personal lived experience with mental illness and how invisible illness and chronic health issues have shaped her life and the work that she does. Now, before we get started today, Flick has kindly offered to start today's show with an acknowledgement of country. Flick, welcome, and I'll hand it over to you now. Thank you so much, of course, for having me on the show. Before I get started, I would like to acknowledge that I'm speaking to you today from Aboriginal land, the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I'd like to pay respects to elders past and present of both Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islands, who are the traditional and rightful custodians of the land, and to acknowledge any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Island people that may be listening to the Brainwaves episode I'm recording today. Back to you. Thanks. Well, hi, Flick. Yes, again, welcome to Brainwaves. Um, I was wondering before we get started, if you could tell us a bit about your journey with mental health and physical health. And just for my curiosity, can you tell us what a neuroplastician does? Absolutely. So I guess to get started, um, the best way to answer this question really is to say that I was experiencing both mental health and physical health, I think, really at the same time, starting very early on, but it became very apparent, essentially, as I sort of hit puberty that there was a lot going on. Um, my experience probably manifested initially for me first in the physical um, I was having all sorts of gastrointestinal issues. I was in pain all over my body. It was, it was invisible. No one seemed to be able to see what was going on with me, including doctors. And uh, the result of that really ended up with me manifesting or, or experiencing a lot of mental health problems. And some of that came from just the pure reality of having a physical condition that, that played around with you know my neurotransmitters and some of the stuff that's created in my gut and some of it was unfortunately from the trauma of experiencing invisible illness and from essentially having the fingers pointed at me by the doctors all the time that I was causing the issues that were happening with me or that uh, you know it was all in my head or that I was exaggerating it and those kinds of things it left me really really confused very unable to kind of trust myself. And that then sort of led me down into this big path of dealing with having OCD, depression, anxiety, and insomnia. So, you know, the whole thing together was a bit of a pity party, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Not fun to be dealing with a lot of pain uh, physically and then also dealing with so much of it emotionally and mentally as well. And really a lot of that led me, you know, over the years to, to trying to discover ways that I could actually live a quality of life when 
um, to some extent, sort of the, the medical professional failed to provide me any options at all. And I just wasn't satisfied with this idea of permanently having to be in survival mode mm. and to feel that life was always just going to be this incredibly hard challenge. And part of that then became looking into actually the brain, understanding how it thinks, how it works, why it does what it does, and trying to find effective ways that I could reprogram some of my own thinking to make my quality of life better, or at least to understand why I was experiencing brain fog, why I was going through all of these cognitive issues that can be associated with autoimmune conditions, which I have. And um, really, that's sort of, to answer your last part of the question, that's what neuroplasticity is. It's the understanding of how the brain thinks and learns and its ability to rewire or adapt itself over time and then, then that, how that then communicates to the physical body, so the connection between the two. And um, for me, that has been that knowledge and the application of it has been hugely helpful in being able to, first of all, understand why I go through what I go through and then also being able to create coping mechanisms that are a bit more sustainable and healthy rather than just panicking the whole time when something <laughs> is going on with my body or my mind. Mm. Well, that's a lot to go through for one person. It sounds like you've been through a bit of a journey yourself and, yeah, and developed some amazing skills that hopefully we can talk about today. But for our listeners who may not understand what it's like to live with chronic health condition, can you share a bit about what that's like and also how that can impact on mental health? Yeah, absolutely. So look, a chronic health condition is very, very different to living with any other kind of illness that's relatively transient or comes and goes. You know, all human beings are going to experience illness or sickness or pain at varying points in their life. So it's not unique in the sense that we experience that kind of stuff. It's more that we don't know if it will ever go away or ever get better. And that's the defining part of it. You know, when someone else wakes up and has a terrible day because they've had a, a headache that's made them feel lethargic and miserable and it's a little bit harder for them to do absolutely every activity, that's one day. But you know in the back of your mind, it's one day, it's a headache, at some point it's going to pass, tomorrow will be better. Um, people with chronic health conditions, conditions don't have that same you know, ability to look forward with that, that same light of hope because we don't know if tomorrow will be better. In fact, tomorrow could be worse. We don't know if this symptom will ever go away or if it's part of our new normal that we have to learn to cope with. And sometimes your symptoms and things can change over the time um, and it can become worse. So, you know, it can be quite a terrifying experience when you wake up and what you're already dealing with is difficult and then you get a new symptom on top. You just don't have that mental space to be able to say, oh, this is okay, it's, it's all going to be fine tomorrow. And the effect of that on, on the body and the brain is, is huge. It's absolutely fundamentally different to what other people are dealing with. And it shadows over a lot of the choices that you make in life. It can really become very restricting. Uh, you can find yourself saying no to a lot of experiences because you don't know whether it's going to then make the next two or three days significantly worse than the one you're already dealing with. So life can become very, very challenging very quickly. And in addition to that, people quite often can't see or understand the experiences that you're having. So it's as though your experience of the world is not valid and everybody else's is, and that can compound the experience and then actually make the mental health aspect of it worse. So it's very, very, very complicated. And we get taught very quickly not to talk about it. And in that even makes it even harder. We're really stuck inside our own experience. 
Mm, it sounds like it's, it's very isolating as well, um, just having that happen all by yourself and, and not getting the support externally, but also trying to manage your day-to-day life with, you know, this big weight on your shoulder as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The term invisible illness is often used to describe an illness that does not present with uh, externally visible signs or symptoms. Uh, what are some barriers living with an invisible illness and what are some ways society can help break down those barriers? Absolutely. Look, there's multiple barriers to, to living with an invisible illness. And I think one of the things that doesn't get mentioned very often, and I'm going to make a point of mentioning this here because I know somebody listening might resonate with this and, and it's important to feel heard, um, it's so important to feel heard and recognised, is that invisible illnesses are not always ones that just immediately have a diagnosis or a label placed to them. Many people with invisible illnesses may go for decades of experiencing debilitating symptoms that are not recognised medically on any particular test that they do. It's incredibly common, in fact, actually, to take a whole bunch of diagnostic tests and for all of them to come back normal and yet for your experience of life to be that it's impossible to eat or it's impossible to get out of bed or impossible to keep a job because you require so much time off with sick leave. So the experience that those people end up having, particularly when there is no formal diagnosis, is that they can find themselves with financial hardship where they're not able to apply for something like a disability coverage They may experience their own family and friends, their own partners choosing to eventually say, well, obviously it's just in your head because Mm -hmm. even the doctors can't find out what's wrong with you and making them even more isolated and invalidating their experience of life even more. Even for those that do actually have a diagnosis, this experience can still be very, very similar. So you may find that even with a diagnosis, that because it's not obvious necessarily when you're in high levels of pain that it's still difficult to get support from family, friends or colleagues or the society around you. You don't turn on the TV and find bunches of characters that are going through autoimmune conditions and living their quality of life. It's just not something that we see on television. We don't hear it in songs. It's not projected in magazines. We're not on the front covers of of Clio and Vogue. And so you are not represented in the world around you and that can then isolate you even further. A lot of that is then stigmatised too. So the reality is that if we talk about an experience that other people can't see or are constantly invalidating, um, that stigma then teaches us very, very quickly to be quiet, um, that it can be very dangerous for us to speak our actual reality out loud. So you really do get stuck in this silo of living with this condition all on your own and and having these two voices in your head, one which is your own, which is saying, I am suffering, there is something going on, it is real and it's wrong and I want to know what it, what, what it is or how I can cope with it. And the other voice, which is the society around you, it may even be the doctors that could have invalidated your experience that are saying to you, no, this isn't real, this just is in your head, you've just got to fake it and pretend to get on with it and act like everybody else. And that from a mental health and physical health point of view is very complex because they play off each other. Um, So the ways that I guess really people can help is number one, we've really got to learn in society that just because somebody else has an experience that is different to ours doesn't mean that it's incorrect or wrong or it has no validity. We need to practice believing people First of all, when they are actually, you know, talking about their experience, particularly if it is something that's traumatic or painful, your opinion really doesn't count at that point when somebody is sharing it. It's actually about ensuring that as a human being, they are being treated equally and with empathy and kindness in the same way that you would want to be treated if you were talking about something that was difficult that was going on. So we need to start there. 
create that that safe space for people to have a kind conversation, to know that they can talk about it, and even to raise that subject. I mean, how often are people sitting around the water cooler or at home actually saying, have you ever heard of an invisible illness? I mean, when I started my journey, no one in my family had ever talked about that. All there ever being a conversation about invisible illnesses or stigmatized conditions or chronic pain, not once in my entire life. And so I think it's something that is very commonly not talked about. This can actually make the process of even diagnosing something harder. You know, if you are living with that and you've got nobody around you talking about it, it's really difficult to come forward with that information. So we can all start with empathy, but we can also start by instigating those conversations and just raising it as a topic when you're talking. Have you heard of invisible illness? Usually there's people that you know that are experiencing them, but because of stigma, they have not talked about it. And as soon as you raise the question, you drop down the defences and you create a safe space for people just to have a human-to-human conversation. And that's just so healthy and so important. So I think those two parts are where we can all start. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you've raised some really valid points there. I've got quite a few friends with different types of uh, invisible illnesses or chronic pain and that's pretty much their story like they they weren't believed by doctors they weren't believed by their friends you know they started to withdraw from their friends because they didn't want to let them down when they couldn't turn up to things and then to finally have that validation whilst it was good it's kind of like that bittersweet moment so we've talked about how physical health can impact our mental health when talking about uh, chronic health conditions. Do you think the opposite is true too, that maybe our mental health can also impact our physical health? Yeah, absolutely. Look, oh, you know, again, I'll be really, really clear. Generally, I try not to speak with too many censorships or provisos over it. But when we're talking about things like invisible illness and chronic health, it's really, really important that we state that there is a spectrum to how all of this presents. There's no one right or wrong way that it presents. And this is part of the complicated nature of experiencing it in the first place. For a lot of people, they don't experience mental health until after the physical symptoms have begun. And maybe that is part of the fact that they they may go through things like what we've discussed, not being believed by people, and that can compound or create mental health uh, issues to occur. Some people, the conditions were already existing or mental health is something completely separate to that that has started. What we do know based on a whole bunch of research, and I guess at least anecdotally from people when they're talking about these experiences in sort of chronic health forums and in mental health you know, forums and things like that, is that mental health definitely can have an impact on the physical. At the very least, it can make the experience of it happen more often. So for example, they may experience a type of pain occurring more often when their mental health is suffering a little bit more or uh, they may find that they're not able to cope with some of the symptoms as well as what they normally would. So sort of their resilience to those things becomes a little bit lower. So I think there definitely is an impact there. If we're looking purely just at what happens with neurotransmitters, hormones and the gut, for example, I mean, you know, our, our fight or flight mode, which so often is activated during pain or periods of illness or stress, actually stops the digestive system from functioning in its actual design. And in doing that, we lose a bunch of brain cells and most of our serotonin production, which is where a lot of our happiness or our you know, ability to be resilient comes from. So even just that point alone shows that there definitely can be an impact from what's happening in the mind towards the body. And they certainly speak to each other back and forth. So if your mental health is suffering, it's likely that your physical health probably will too. But certainly prolonged periods of physical 
uh, symptoms can do exactly the same thing to the mind. So that's why it's really important when we're talking about health to look at health as a full spectrum that includes both mental and physical and emotional as well. Actually, we really need to look at the whole spectrum. It is holistic. Everything is connected and we can't really address things completely siloed. We need to respect that they're always going to affect each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you've just um, spoken to a, a few of my experiences there with crossing over with um, mental and physical health. I know for myself, when my physical health isn't well, my mental health tends to follow. And sometimes, um, yeah, it can be the opposite too, where it impacts my mental health because of something physical that's happening to me. So, yeah, definitely. Um, what are some ways then we can improve both mental and physical health, like simultaneously? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I love that you've raised that too because it really is, it's got to be bang for your buck when you're dealing with any kind of invisible illness or chronic health condition. Um, and, and looking at it holistically and trying to work out how to combine things together is the key. We, um, there's the spoony theory. A lot of people probably know what that is. But, of course, you know, we have limited spoons. Our spoons do not refill. We also don't have access to the knives and the forks like everybody else. <laughs> it's really important that that spoon is as full as possible with all the good stuff every time we use one of those spoons up. And ways that we can do that really simply are to ensure that we are really looking at mental, emotional and physical as being an active part of what we need to nurture on a regular basis. Um, recognizing it, I guess, essentially that looking at just one alone is not going to improve your well-being. It's just filling up only one pillar. We really need to be doing something for all of them. So you can combine things like, for example, learning some stretching that helps your body to release positive chemicals like endorphins, serotonin, dopamine, or oxytocin, which is our love drug, but also our natural pain reliever and equilibrium creator. And we can combine that with a various, you know, uh, breathing cycles or meditation, things like the vagus nerve breathing cycle, for example, or the calm breathing cycle. Again, these change our neurological state they change the neurotransmitters that are going through the body which means they are changing what systems of our physical are actually speaking back to the brain so we know now that anything that's happening up inside the brain from a cellular level is affected so if we are thinking negatively we are feeling badly we are actually changing the shape and the quality of the cells in our body gearing them in that same direction so we want to always be mindful that our body is like a chemical highway and the more that we can kind of find ways to quickly tap into those positive chemicals by combining movement and breath and maybe even adding in music which is a natural neurotransmitter booster so you can pop on some positive tunes that's all going to change that neurological state and when that state changes the physical body changes and sends that message back up to the brain so i always say to people you know if you want to really get bang for your buck and you, you think, oh, I can't actually get up and exercise, crank on some tunes, do five minutes worth of housework, you know, clean that shower, get the vacuuming done, empty the bins, make the bed, whatever it is, or the things on your to-do list that are like the basics that are going to help you feel like you're functioning in life. Do all that in five minutes. There's some exercise. There's some change in neurotransmitters. Chuck a couple of deep, deep breaths in there. And before you know it, you've completely changed the way that both your body and brain functions. It's incredible how quickly we can actually do this. So, you know, everyone's got their own method for it. I encourage you to invest in creating your own self-care system. It's not about what works for anybody else. It's about what works for you. But keep it simple. There's so much you can do just with a bit of music, a little bit of movement and a, and a couple of deep breaths. 
Yeah, no, I can attest to that. I've been uh, uh, doing a bit of movement myself lately. I find that helps with pain, helps with my brain, um, just loosens everything up and I feel fantastic afterwards. So, yes, it's definitely tried and true, that one. Mm -hmm. um, so can you share with our listeners about your love of dance, speaking about music and moving around, and how you feel it can be used as a coping strategy for mental health? Absolutely. Look, you know, um, dance and I go way back. I have multiple tattoos on my body that are related <laughs> to dance and music. Um, I have a, a tattoo on my arm that says, in music I find hope, in dance I find freedom. Oh, I and love it. Yeah, and so for me that sort of is a fundamental thing that has run through most of my life. Uh, dance is one of the reasons why I am absolutely still alive today. It, it sort of anchored me during all of that early years craziness that I was going through and was one of the reasons why I ever started studying the brain and body in the first place. I wanted to stay well enough to continue being a dancer and I was struggling at the start. So without that, I definitely wouldn't be here. It's a profoundly amazing gift that we all have and you don't have to be a professional to do it you know, music and movement of the body transcends language. And that's one of the beautiful things about it. It is a language in itself. It just requires no words. And so it means that we can express ourselves. We can release things through ourselves without having to open our mouths. And for those who are dealing with chronic health or mental health, that can be really, really important because feeling nonverbal is a really common trait that happens when you're dealing with any kind of stigmatized condition or feeling programmed to say, I'm fine, and then just hold on to whatever it is that you're, you're dealing with. Um, it also taps into sentimental memory, which is a really important part of our brain. In fact, um, dance is now being used in the treatment of a lot of people with dementia and Alzheimer's because even when they've forgotten names, even when they're experiencing agitation and mood and behaviour changes that are abnormal for them as a, as a general rule, when they put on music and they start moving their bodies, there's a complete change. In fact, they can sometimes remember things that were they were unable to remember before. Wow. And it provokes in us actually a chemical change. So sentimental memory meaning it takes you back to a time where you feel happy or loved or something positive is going on. And we actually change our chemical state in our body as soon as we tap into sentimental memory. So in terms of really getting that bang for your buck, if you're talking about movement, dance is got to be at the top of that list because five minutes of jigging around in your apartment to a piece of music is, is actually a better workout for the brain and the body than just about anything else that is out there because it uniquely taps into those areas and creates a chemical change so quickly. It also works every area of the body. So it's not just I'm only doing strength training. It's, you know, I'm doing flexibility. I'm getting cardio. It's low impact and high impact at the same time. It's, it's core training. It's posture creating. It's all sorts of different, you know, bone density improving. There's so many benefits to dance. So yeah, if you're ever stuck and you don't know where to start, pop on your favourite tune and just let yourself intuitively move to it because your body will release so much. There's a language, it's just, it's just absolutely craving to wow. speak and dance can be that thing for anybody, no matter whether you're you know, able to get up and use two legs or whether unfortunately you, you find yourself in a bed, you can find a way to dance. Even with your eyelids, I've seen someone eyelid dance. <laughs> That's awesome. Incredible. Yeah. So dance, dance That's now. so powerful. That's fantastic. We need to get yeah. some music on and get a boogie going. That's fantastic. And it's funny because um, I have a hip condition and it's been quite problematic. And I've noticed in the past 
I don't know, a couple of months or so whilst being in lockdown that um, just, yeah, just moving it that little bit, doesn't have to be too much, really loosens everything up. And I just feel great. And, you know, before I was relying on heat packs and all sorts of things. And now I'm able to kind of fix it with just that little bit of movement. So, yeah. Really the human good. body is meant to move, you know, like there's so many functions of it, even just even just digesting your food comes down to the ability to move your body. Mm. It's movement is fundamental to it. So if you're struggling with it, yeah, dance a few minutes of dancing around will will do wonders for you. Oh, there you go. Well hopefully everyone gets something out of that. Now for anyone that might be struggling with chronic pain and mental health, what advice do you have for them? Well, first of all, I want to acknowledge that what you're dealing with is real and it's valid. And I don't know if anyone's bothered to take the time to tell you that, but I really want you to hear that today. It's real and it's valid. And I'm really sorry that you're going through it. I also want you to know that it is possible for you to have a good quality of life, despite what you may have heard or perhaps what even you're thinking right now. It's going to take some, some real effort to work out what system is going to work for you, what things are going to move the needle to help you get the best possible quality of life. You don't have to do it alone. There's a lot of people out there that will help you. Reach out to people on forums, ask questions, reach out to lifelines, get yourself a, a counsellor or a doctor that you can trust. If you don't feel like your medical team is listening to you, fire them, find a new one. Treat it the same way as you would hiring an accountant. You don't ever pay someone money or give them time when they are not serving you. Yep. So yeah, advocate for yourself and the more that you do it, the more you improve the quality of life. And uh, remember that you are a human being and you are seen, you are safe, you are valued, you are heard by somebody else out there. So don't stop looking for that person. And you are also deserving of that quality of life. So do anything and everything you can to find what works for you. And it's got nothing to do with anybody else around you. It's only to do with what works for you. So be kind to yourself, give yourself time and know that you are worth it. That's beautiful advice. Thank you, Flick. Now, before we wrap up today, if anyone would like to get in touch with you uh, to find out anything more about what you've talked about today or your ambassador work, how can people reach you? Absolutely. Um, look, honestly, the easiest answer is probably just to say Google my name and I will pop up all over the place. You can reach me on obviously social media. I'm on you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of the usual places. Uh, I've got a couple of websites you can grab me on. Flickmanning.com is the main one. Um, you can even sign up there if you would be interested in knowing when my book comes out. That's that's coming out soon. That's called Living Human. Um, that's my sort of memoir of my journey from starting off with invisible illness and sort of creating a thriving life for myself. I hope that will be of help to somebody. So reach out there if that can be of service to you. You can also reach me at coreauthenticbody.com, which is my wellness business where we look at mental, emotional and physical health for people that are dealing with chronic health conditions. So you can reach me there. But really, ask me anything. Reach out anywhere you like. I'm a pretty open book and I want to be of service. So I look forward to getting your messages and, and being as helpful or supportive as I can. Oh, that's wonderful. And yes, once your book is out, you'll have to come back and we'll have to have a big chat about that as well. I'd love to. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. That's all right. Thanks, Flick, for coming on the show today and sharing your knowledge and insight with our listeners. I hope that everyone has found something in today's show that will be beneficial for them. Just a reminder that I will be adding Flick's details to our show notes so if you, if you, so you can check them out and you will find more of our shows at our website, brainwaves.org.au, on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au and on our iTunes. If you have a story to share or if you would like to send us feedback or suggestions for future shows, please email us at brainwaves at 
Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe and we'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.